So obviously we are continuing our series that we started last week on spiritual gifts. That series is called Made to Matter. Um, this, this is based off of the Romans, the spiritual gifts found in Romans chapter 3 uh, through verse 8. Um, and oftentimes, you know, when you look at the Bible, we really see three kind of categories of spiritual gifts. And I'm going to touch on this just briefly before we go forward. We talked about the spiritual gifts found in Ephesians chapter 4 last week, and we gave those a title. We call those gifts. Now, I don't want you to get hung up on these titles. They, they simply just help us to be able to give them a category so that we can understand, better understand their role in the church. But listen, God can use these spiritual gifts any way he wants to, okay? This just helps us, from a leadership perspective, explain them. The gifts we see in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, really talk, we call those the equipping gifts. And he says that God has given apostles and pastors and, and evangelists and, uh, uh, and apostles and teachers for the building, for the equipping of the, of the saints for the work of ministry. And so God gives leadership to the church to equip God's people, those people who attend church, right, in order to do the work of the ministry. And so we call those gifts and they're the equipping gifts found in Ephesians chapter 4. Then here in Romans, these, are, these, these gifts are the gifts that God has given the church. And they're given to the church in order to make the church work, right? To make the church a family, to make the church grow and to function properly. So oftentimes we call these the functional gifts. Or you might heard the term motivational gifts, meaning when you're serving in, according to your spiritual gifts, Man, you are, you are motivated. You find your place of destiny in the church, and it is very invigorating in life. And so we call these the functional gifts or the motivational gifts. And then there's a third set of spiritual gifts that we see uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we really call these the manifestation gifts. These are the gifts given by the Holy Spirit that we believe we can give to any person at any time to build up the body of Christ as is needed. We call those the manifestation gifts. Today we're really talking about the, the Romans 12 gifts, the, the functional gifts or the motivational gifts. And as we talk about this, this series called Made to Matter, you may not think that you have a spiritual gift, but the truth of the real, reality is you do. You see, the Bible teaches that each person is given a spiritual gift at salvation. It's not, a, it's not a choice. You don't get to pick it, right? It's like, I want this spiritual gift over that spiritual gift. No, God looks at you and says, what is needed in this person's uh, life to build up the body of Christ? And he gives you a spiritual gift according to the role he is calling you to serve in in the local church. The Bible teaches that each person is given a spiritual gift at salvation. So when you said yes to Jesus, when you said, Jesus, I'm going to live for you, I'm giving my life to you, God's Word tells us that He places His Spirit in you. He gives you a new spirit and that you are literally in that moment born again. You ever wondered what that term comes from, where that term born again comes from? From right there, uh, right there in, in John chapter 5 and 6, right? When Jesus talks about, I am giving you a new spirit and you will be born again. And, and with that new spirit, with that born-again experience, you're not only given a new spirit, but you're also given a spiritual gift, or even more than one gift, that God intends for you to use for the building up the body of Christ, for doing the work of His church, the work of His ministry, in loving people, loving the community, and spreading the gospel. You were made to matter, and your gift is important. And that's our big idea today. You were made to matter, and your spiritual gift is important. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word of truth and your word of life today. 
I thank you, Majesty, that, that you see each person, the value in each person. And not only have you, do you see the value, but you've qualified that value, Lord God, by giving us a spiritual gift or gifts that you were calling us to use in the church. And then, Lord, as we use those gifts, we find our place of significance in the body of Christ. And everything just clicks, God. We understand our purpose. Father, my prayer today that, uh, is that you would speak to us not only about spiritual gifts, but about this particular spiritual gift in particular, Lord God. And, and that, Lord, um, we would not only learn about the spiritual gifts, but God, we would move from hearing about spiritual gifts, being interested in spiritual gifts, to realizing that I have a spiritual gift or gifts, and that it is my responsibility to use them in the church. That I show my love for Jesus, Lord God, by using my spiritual gift to love loves, which is people and his church. So Lord, I pray today, give us ears to hear your spirit and a heart to respond through obedience. In Jesus' holy name, and everybody said, amen. Let's read once again our key scripture for this, this series found in Romans chapter 12, starting in verses 3 through 8. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do, all have the same, do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Man, in other words, your spiritual gift is needed, right, in the body of Christ. And when you are working in your spiritual gift, and I'm working in my spiritual gift, and your neighbor's working in a spiritual gift, and this person in the seat behind you is working in a spiritual gift, guess what? We are all unified in the body of Christ. And that's a really cool moment in the church. For as one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so, so, though we, so though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. It's pretty emphatic, right? It's not, let's, not, let's, let's have discussion groups. <laughs> let's get together and discuss how somebody else should use their spiritual gifts. Let's get together and let's study spiritual gifts. Man, we want to know everything there is to know about spiritual gifts. That's not what God is saying. God is saying the best way for you to learn about your spiritual gift is to use your spiritual gift, right? To use it. Remember last week I used the illustration of a bicycle. I said, listen, you don't learn to ride a bike by, by trying to balance. By just, I just want you to practice balancing. It doesn't work that way. You have to get moving in order to balance the bike, and it's the same way with spiritual gifts. And you gotta, God is emphatic here. The word is emphatic, right? Let's use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in your serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his contribution or in his giving, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So God gives these, these seven spiritual gifts in Romans 12, prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, generosity, and leadership for the purpose of doing the work of ministry. Man, you guys are all ministers. In reality, God has equipped you to be a minister. Remember that was a, that was a key theme we talked about last week. Leaders of the church are meant to equip God's people to do the ministry. 
But isn't that cool, right? That's how much God believes in you. That he has equipped you to do ministry. You see, when we use our spiritual gifts to build up the church, it's at that point that we really find our sense of destiny, our sense of purpose, right? But it's also at that point where we reflect the radiance, the radiance of God's glory in our church and in our community. Today we're taking a look at the spiritual gift of service. Now, this is not first listed in the list. Prophecy is listed first. But I, I've bumped this to, to the first place because I believe it is oftentimes the most overlooked spiritual gift, the most, most undervalued spiritual gift, but I believe it needs to be the most valued spiritual gift, the spiritual gift of service. Sometimes you've heard it called the spiritual gift of helps or the spiritual gift of ministry. But it might be the most undervalued spiritual gift, but the most important spiritual gift in the church today. And it reminds me of a story of a bricklayer who, who filed an insurance claim. Now, I've shared this funny story with you before, but I just felt it bared repeating because it so illustrates the truth of how, how people who have the spiritual gift of ministry or helps are so needed in the church today. And a, and a bricklayer was trying to do a job alone and got hurt, and so he, he sends his insurance claim in for his medical bills, and they ask for clarification. And this was his response. He said, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information for my insurance claim. On block number three of the accident claim form, I wrote, trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain that statement more fully. I trust the following details will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the date of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley which, is att which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor level. Securing the rope to the ground level, I went to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note in block number 22 of the claim form that my weight is 150 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded up the side of the building at a very rapid rate of speed. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and collarbone. Slowly, slightly, I continued my, my rapid ascent, not stopping until my fingers and my right hand were two knuckles deep in the pulley. This explains my broken fingers. By this time, I regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hits the ground and the bottom fell on the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel then weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer again to the information of block number 11 regarding my weight. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for my fractured ankle and lacerations on my legs and lower body. The second encounter with the barrel slowed me enough 
to lessen my injuries when I fell in the pile of bricks. And, and fortunately, I only, uh, I only broke three vertebrae. All right. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand and watch an empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. <laughs> I'm happy to say that I am now done trying to do the job alone. <laughs> Listen, this humorous uh, story really illustrates the, the truth of how difficult it can be for you to try to, to do any job alone, and especially a job in ministry. And, and oftentimes, people may not get hit by a load of bricks, but they do get hit by other things, such as burnout, right? Uh, disappointments. And all these things in ministry are just as dangerous as what happened to this bricklayer and just as painful. And they can damage people and, and move them out of ministries that they need to be in, that God has called them to lead, that God has ordained to be in your church or in your community, simply because they've been trying to do the job without enough, enough help. The gift of service is... Or, or helps the ministry is vitally important to the church today. Because some leaders will try to do things on their own. These leaders, these leaders, these are the type of leaders who would who probably hate traveling through Oregon, right? Because you know, you pull up to get gas and you naturally get out of your car to go get gas and you can't. Because in most places in Oregon, they, they come out and they pump the gas for you, right? And and these type of leaders, they're annoyed by this. Because they just want to get out and they want to get it done. They want to get the gas in the car and they want to go. I'm one of these leaders, okay? It annoys me every time I travel through Oregon and I have to wait for somebody to come out and gas my car up. I just want to get it done and I want to go. It drives me nuts. Ecclesiastes says this. See, let me repeat and say this, that that same leader will oftentimes try to just get things done on their own, right? And end up burning out because they're not relying on people. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, a three-cord is not quickly broken. And I think Scripture is clear that we are called to come and do ministry together. It's not, listen, you have this spiritual gift, so you do ministry on your own. No, God has put all these spiritual gifts together so that we come together as a body, as a community, as a team, right? And together we accomplish what God has called us to do. So the, ministry, the gift of ministry of helps or, or services needed, and especially for those leaders who, who feel like they want to do things on their own. Because they're the ones who will get hit by a ton of bricks on the, falling down the, the side of the building. Secondly, it's needed because some leaders struggle because there's no one there to serve with them. These are the ones that, that tend to get burned out and, and hurt and, and then walk out of ministry. Yes, and I, over years of ministry, I've met many people who, who, who have left ministry, given up ministries they were serving in simply because um, they had no one to serve with them and it burned them out. Now, obviously, as a leader, we always have to look at ourselves and say, okay, why is there no one serving with me? What do I need to change from my perspective, right? What do I need to do differently from my perspective? But oftentimes people don't get to that point. They're burned out and they're gone before they ever learn those lessons. But Proverbs talks about this. It says, where there's no oxen, the manger is clean. 
but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. In other words, every ministry leader needs people to serve with them. Not serve them, serve with them. Serve alongside of them. Because the heart of any leader has to be a servant's heart. Jesus has showed us that. But he's meant us to serve together. Here's the good news. God has gifted people with the supernatural gift of getting things done. Right? Think about that. So we might think of the gifts of service or, or ministry helps us. Oh, I, I don't want that gift. But listen, you do. You do, because those people are the closest like Jesus. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. God has gifted some people the supernatural gift of getting things done. Let me read Romans again. It says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in our serving. And I think this, that when we talk about the gifts of service or ministry it helps, oftentimes it is the spiritual gift that is closest to Cinderella in the church, right? It's like the Cinderella gifts. It's overlooked, it's undervalued, yet desperately needed. And you might be glad that you don't have the spiritual gift of service, but... Maybe when you're, we're through this message today, you might desire, God, would, could, could I one day reach the point of spiritual maturity where you would give me the spiritual gift of service? Because it is that important to the church today. Here's a couple thoughts I have about these, these 12 gifts in chapter in Romans before we move forward. These seven gifts in, in Romans, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy, Man, everyone usually has a combination of these. Usually you have one that's dominant, and then you may have one or two that, that, uh, that, that complements it. One of your spiritual gifts could be service very easily. And here's what I want you to understand about that. If you have the gift of service, remember that you were made to matter. And that spiritual gift is important. It is vitally important to the church today. And hopefully after this you'll be saying, I hope I do have the spiritual gift of service. I've got to get to the website. I've got to get to cpyakima.church, click on the involve tab, click on the spiritual gifts test, and take my spiritual gifts test, right? And it's going to match your spiritual gifts with your area of passion in the church, your area of passion of serving. Don't be a Chris, all right? Don't look at it and say, I'm passionate about everything. I told you this. When Chris took the spiritual gifts test and I came to the survey, he scored 100 in everything. Chris, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. But he's passionate about the church, right? And he's passionate about every area. What you have to do is you have to look at it and say, what am I passionate about doing, right? About doing. And, and, and it'll begin to line up, show you your spiritual gifts and, and really great areas for you to serve in the church. But also this thought on some of these spiritual gifts. Some of these gifts will, will emulate, uh, we, we, should, we should absolutely emulate in the natural, right? We should serve people as Christians. 
We should encourage people as Christians. We should give as Christians. We should show mercy as Christians, right? All of us should do that. But when God gives a spiritual gift, whether it's something we can do naturally or not, that spiritual gift becomes the foci, the center of our Christian service. And this is what I want you to understand. It becomes empowered. Because now we are supernaturally empowered to use those gifts for the building of His church. And it moves beyond what we can do in the natural and becomes what we can do in the supernatural as God's Spirit empowers us and leads us. Galatians 6.10 says this, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto, unto them who are in the household of faith. I mean, the one place that we need to be using our spiritual gifts is in God's house, for God's people, with God's family. And for God's glory. When you talk about the spiritual gifts of service, whether you call it helps or ministry, this is actually a complicated word in the original Greek. The word service means service or ministering. And it comes from another word. It's derived from another Greek word that meant to be a servant, a literal person who waited on people and, 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 you know, and served them like a waiter or an attendant. So the best way really to explain the meaning of the spiritual gift of service is to look at Jesus' life. In John 6, 3, 8, Jesus said this. He said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus came to be a servant. He came to do his Father's will. In other words, Jesus didn't come as a conqueror. He didn't come as a as a, uh, as a, so much a, a mighty prophet to be exalted, he came as a servant of his father. And that's the example he set for us. And that is kind of, that, that is the example we see in this word of, uh, of service. Some serve God the Father and is anointed to do that. Why did Jesus come as a servant? Well, because he understands that when you serve, you bless people's life. He said this in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. He comes to use people, to use relationships. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And when we serve people, we are helping them to discover life. We are helping them to experience this life abundantly. Because we're using our, supernat our supernaturally inspired gift, the body of Christ. So we see that Jesus came to do his Father's will, but he also came to minister to us, to bring us life, right? To give to us. As an obedient son, Jesus is attending to his Father's will by ministering to you and I. And that's what we see, that's the picture we see when you have the spiritual gift of service, right? You are serving people as you are doing the Father's will. Here's a, here's a definition we're using for the spiritual gift of service. The spiritual gift of service is for those who have the spiritual empowerment to invest their talents and available resources in the life and or ministry of another in a manner that helps accomplish their goals. And if you have the spiritual gift of service and you're sitting and you're thinking, yeah, I just, I just, I just serve, that's not special. No. It is of paramount importance in the church. 
And when you come to a leader and you say, man, I have the spiritual gifts of service. How do you want me to serve? I'm telling you, you are going to be that guy's dream, right? You're an answer to his prayers. Because you are ministering to him as you serve the Father's purpose. You see, I believe that the spiritual gift of service is the spiritual gift that is most like Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 10, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus told us that in Luke 22, that to lead, you must serve. Jesus lived among us as a servant. We see that in Luke uh, 22, verse 27. And, And understand this concept. As Jesus is teaching this, and, and, the, and they're identifying these spiritual gifts, this idea of being a servant was completely incongruent to the culture at that time. You see, in Greek culture, the main cultural influence at the time, of, which was the main cultural influence at the time of the New Testament authors, the idea of serving or of serving someone was almost unbearable because it was associated with servitude and submission. So by the time the New Testament authors came around and serving someone was still considered undignified. And Christianity went against the grain of culture. And they taught that a heart of service should be the central attitude that we all have towards life. So while some of us struggle in that area, some of you have a spiritual gift in that area. You see, the spiritual gift of service The spiritual gift of ministering to people is the spiritual gift that is most like Jesus because that's what he modeled throughout his life. Philippians 2 says, Let this be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made the likeness of men. You see, church, it is the spiritual gift that is most likely to change someone's heart towards the gospel, the spiritual gift of service. I want you to think about this. If someone came to you and gave you the most priceless gift that you can imagine, the gift that you would value the most, maybe if you're, if you're uh, the women in here today, maybe it is a dream piece of jewelry, right? A piece of jewelry that, that takes your away men maybe it was your dream car or your dream truck right the the vehicle of your dreams and whatever it is you think about this gift you you drool over this gift can't wait to show this gift off you can't wait to use this gift because it is the gift of your dreams and i'm wondering is there anything that would keep you from using or enjoying that gift would you let it set in your garage men untouched we're not like that no we're going to show that thing off Right? Girls are like, well, my hair's a little messy today. She can show the giant rock or something. (laughs) Nothing would keep us from showing that gift off or using that gift or engaging with that gift. If you're too busy, guess what? You'd make time. Guys, you'd be like, hey, honey, I will go to the store for you anytime to get my ride. If you had a reason to wear that giant diamond, ladies, you, you, if you didn't have a reason, you'd make one up. 
No, really, diamonds go with swimming suits. Honest. No, this diamond helps me at the gym. <laughs> I don't have to lift any weight on that side. <laughs> You'd find a reason to use that gift. So when you have the spiritual gift of service, not only do you get to change hearts and bring joy to others, you're going to feel fulfilled when you serve. Me, when I serve, I feel some measurement of satisfaction. I'm, I'm glad I served. I hope I don't ever have to do it again, but I'm glad I served this moment. If I'm being honest, right? I get in there and I serve when I need to, and that's often, but, but I'm not particularly, I don't particularly come away with that saying, man, man, I feel fulfilled. But guess what? There are people who have the spiritual gift of service, and when they are through serving, they feel like I serve Jesus in this moment, right? I am fulfilled in this. And it's true that we all should be serving. But people who have the spiritual gift of service, you have an advantage over us. You get to feel fulfilled in what you do. You see, the Bible teaches that we've all been given the, uh, the exact spiritual gift that we need. And there's not any spiritual gift that is greater or more significant than the other spiritual gift. And so we need to find every opportunity to use our spiritual gift. Because it is the greatest gift God chose to give you. Think about that. Ladies, I mean, it, it is the diamond you always wanted. Men, it is the vehicle you always craved. We don't want to be too busy in life not to serve alongside of Jesus using our spiritual gift in the church. We don't want to be too overcommitted in every other area that we can't serve Jesus in his church using our spiritual gift. Because I can tell you this, all these other things you're going to find joy in. But you're only going to find fulfillment in serving Jesus within your spiritual gifts. I want to invite the, the worship team up this morning. I want you to understand that there is a place for you to use your spiritual gifts at Cross Point Church. And so I want to encourage you to embrace those gifts. On your notes is the website with directions on, on really how to get to the, uh, to the spiritual gifts test. My heart and desire is that by the time we are through this series, everybody at Cross Point has taken a spiritual gift test. And you not only know what your spiritual gifts are, but you know what your passions are, where you'd best fit serving in the church. There is a place for you. How do you use the gifts, spiritual gifts of serving in the church? You identify your place of passion and you say, here am I. How can I serve you in this ministry? That could be in children's ministry. That could be in outreach. That could be on, on Sunday morning. It could be as an usher, a greeter. It could be office helps, right? That could be in... in, in facility maintenance or, or lawn maintenance. I can't name all the opportunities and ways that you can serve the church using your spiritual gift of service or helps. But I can tell you this, that when you start serving in that area, that's where you're going to feel content. Nelson Searcy is a is a pastor and a, uh, a ministry coach. 
He shares a story in one of his books about how they were needing office help one day. So they, so they came up with this idea called Super Serve Thursday, I believe it was called. And uh, invited anybody who, who wanted you to come in and, to, and on that Thursday to help them do uh, some off, extra office work, fold bulletins and things like this. But they had a man who was the head of a major corporation, flies all over the place for his business, all over the world. But he is regularly at Super Serve Thursday folding bulletins because he told him, this is the only place where I really feel like I'm accomplishing anything. And I bet you that man has a spiritual gift of service. Right? He's, when he is using that spiritual gift to serve Jesus, he feels the most fulfilled in life. Pretty amazing. Scripture simply says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Remember, church, these gifts, they're a part of your heritage in Christ. And when you use them, they bring with them the, the glorious privilege of being given a, a very special task upon this earth, of being given a purpose, meaning, and significance in life, all found in serving His church for His glory. So today, are you using your spiritual gifts of service to build this church? Are you involved? Whether you have the spiritual gift of service, are you embracing Jesus' example to serve? Just as a Christ follower. I want you to make your seat a, a place of prayer as we, as we sing the song, and I want to give you the opportunity to respond. And if you feel like you have the spiritual gift of service, but you're not serving, or maybe rather you're just too busy to serve, would you just have an honest conversation with Jesus about that? Start with saying, Jesus, how can I make time to serve? And where would you like me to serve? Because I guarantee you, he's passionate about that because he's passionate about you. And he's gifted you. And he's called you into this thing called the body of Christ. This is where you find your place of belonging and significance. Worship team, why don't you lead us a song?
yesterday to you today we want to say yes to you to be a servant and yes to you lord god to use our spiritual gifts to reflect the glory of your father today jesus our life is not our own it belongs to you and so we say yes jesus if we are okay in our time and we're unable to give any of our, our time to the church to serve you. God, would you just change our heart? Help us begin to work through that process to deliberately create time so that we can serve you for your glory. And this service that you call the body of Christ, to love people well. Lord, we pray, Sovereign God, if we've been given the spiritual gift of service, that, Lord, we would understand what a precious and important gift that is, that how valuable it is, Lord God, and that every time we serve, we are a little, drawing a little bit closer to Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, you would 
Show us the place that you are calling us to serve and use our spiritual gifts and service in the church today because we want to live for your glory. We want to be a part of what your spirit is doing and building up the body of Christ. We love you in Jesus' holy name. You know, you may be watching online or, or in person and you're hearing me talk about, man, this is the place where you can feel fulfilled and, and that sounds good to you. I believe that the first step to really feeling fulfilled in life, and at least it was for me, the first step to feeling, feeling fulfilled in life was, was not getting more stuff, was not getting more friends. It was surrendering my life to Jesus. It was choosing to give up my will and to live for Jesus Christ alone. That was the moment that I was born again. When I let go and said, God, I'm, I'm giving you my life. And Jesus placed a new spirit in me, and I began to live for him. And that's when I first began to experience what it could, could mean to, to live a fulfilled and meaningful life. And if you're here today or you're watching online, and you've never given your life to Jesus, we would invite you to be born again today through that act of surrender, of saying, Jesus, I've done things my way long enough. I lived for myself long enough. Now I choose to give my life to you, to live for you. And if you're here or online and you want to give your life to Jesus, we want to pray with you right now. And I want you to understand not how perfect you say these next words. It is simply the intent of your heart to give your life to Jesus and when you make a mistake, and when you stumble and fall, to get back up and continue to follow Jesus no matter what. That's what being born again means. Would you pray with me now? And if you want to give your life to Jesus, you make this prayer your commitment. And God's promise is, He will give you a new spirit. You will be born again, and He will begin to change your life you'll know that your sins are forgiven. That suddenly you have a clear conscience for the first time maybe in your life. That your life has value and meaning in God's purpose and God's plan. And your name is written in heaven. You have a home in heaven from this moment forward. Never again do you have to fear death. Let's pray. Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Jesus, I'm tired of living for myself. I want to live for you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross to pay for my sins. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I give my life to you. Father God, Help me to follow Jesus today, tomorrow, and forever. I choose to live for you. In your holy name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if you said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. You have been born again in this moment. And listen, we want to go on this journey with you. You really.
have become a part of a new family, right? And we want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God and welcome you to the Crosspoint family as well. If you made this decision, whether in person or online, if you would let us know in person, if you would take out your connection card and simply mark on that box down there that said, hey, I've committed my life to Jesus or I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. Or if you are online, if you too would go to our website at cpyakima.church, click on the prayer tab. It pops up right in the middle of the page. It opens up the very same connection card we, we use. If you would let us know that you gave your life to Jesus. Listen, we want to get some tools in your hands to help you grow in your faith, right? We want to we will welcome you Christ and want you to know that you're not alone, that you belong to something greater now. We want to go on this journey with you. Welcome to the family of God.